Hey friends, Rich here. Uh, today's episode is brought to us by our premier brand sponsor, CDF Capital. We just love these guys. As the church shifts away from lockdowns and uncertainty, even as we come out of Omicron, uh, we are thinking about and wondering about how can we get you to get together with other, particularly XPs. CDF Capital's XP Summit cohorts provide exclusive year-long experience that brings together hand-selected global ministry leaders and your peers in an intimate small group setting. You, I love CDF. This is so great. They really want to help your church grow. This is one of the ways they do this. As a member of a cohort, you will grow personally and professionally. You'll engage in three in-person experiences. Remember those? With world-class mentor to see his or her ministry firsthand. You'll connect in monthly coaching sessions with a ministry professional who knows you and who can speak into your ministry with both accuracy and insight. Each conversation and community with your XP peers are from all across the country and will help you accelerate. Listen, Unseminary listeners, they love you so much. They're going to give you uh, money off. All you need to do is let them know that we sent you. Go to cdf.capital forward slash uncohort. That's cdf.capital forward slash uncohort. Again, we love CDF Capital. So thankful for their sponsorship, uh, their premier brand sponsorship every single week. But we just want to give a little extra highlight to this right now. Again, that's CDF Capital, cdf.capital forward slash uncohort today. Are you looking for practical ministry help to inform and inspire your leadership? Do you have a sinking feeling that your ministry training didn't prepare you for the real world? Hey, you're not alone. Join thousands of other leaders in pursuit of stuff you wish they taught in seminary. Welcome to the Unseminary Podcast, presented by CDF Capital, helping churches grow. Visit them at cdf.capital forward slash unseminary. Hey friends, welcome to the Unseminary Podcast. So glad that you have decided to tune in. Uh, you know, every week on the episode, we like to bring you a leader who will both inspire and equip you. And today is no exception. Super excited to have a, re a repeat guest, which friends, you know, if you've been listening for a while, we're 600 some odd episodes in. We very rarely actually have repeat guests. So you know you need to lean in and listen to Benjamin Whittle today. He is from Australia, senior pastor at Life Place Church uh, in Australia. Always good to connect with someone else in the Commonwealth. Uh, Benjamin, welcome to the show. So glad you're here. Well, I feel extra blessed now knowing that I'm a special repeat guest. I'm going to put that down to the accent more than anything. <laughs> <laughs> no, not at all. I uh, Yeah, we'll, we'll link to your past episode. I uh, I just am so honored to, that you take some time to be with us today. So, so glad to be here. Why don't you fill out the picture a little bit? Tell us a little bit more for folks that maybe didn't, uh, weren't, didn't catch your first episode, which I think was just over a year ago. Uh, give us a sense. Again, tell us a bit of your story. Give us a bit of your background. Well, I've been vocationally pastoring full-time for 20 years, uh, raised in the ministry. My father is a pastor. My father-in-law is a pastor. Oh, my goodness, I couldn't escape it. Um, <laughs> I now have a special focus on millennials and Gen Z from both a writing mm -hmm. and content creation point, helping pastors think through some of the unique challenges of these generations into which I fit. And that's where a lot of my, I guess, writing and content comes out of. Mm -hmm. Love it. Well, today we want to kind of reflect a little bit. Here we are uh, two years on uh, into this pandemic uh, and into the impacts that it's had. And, you know, one of the things I'm hearing from ministry leaders 
across the country is there is like this surprise a little bit that here we are, it's still impacting us a couple of years later. We're still very much in this, um, even if the impacts look a little different than they have in earlier phases. But what has it felt like for you? Kind of what's it felt like for you to be two years into this um, this pandemic? Where's it? Where's what does it feel like for you uh, at this? You know, in this season. Well, I think it's a moment, right? I mean, to reach that mm-hmm. two year mark, and as you said, to kind of say, "Hey, here we are. We're still in it." Um, mm-hmm. Some things we we at least have a sense of this, Rich. Some things may mm-hmm. return back to what they were, but I think mm-hmm. what there's a, a degree of consensus on is there are a number of things that have forever shifted and are evolving. Mm. And I think mm. when it comes to the intersection of church and the digital space, that's where we're all asking a lot of questions and trying to navigate mm-hmm. through what does the future look like here? Mm-hmm. Yeah, I know we all, one of the things that, you know, when we reflect back on that two years ago, you know, I've been doing at our church, church online since, 2009. So it wasn't really a new deal. It was obviously super intensified when we, you know, when we particularly in those early phases of the pandemic, but what has changed over the last two years, is like every, everybody has some sort of digital aspect of their ministry where even that maybe wasn't the case two years ago. What do you think the church will look like in the digital age? What do you think as we kind of peer to the future, as we kind of from this precipice where we sit today, what, what's that going to look like when we look to the future? Well, I think it's important that we're asking the right questions to know mm-hmm. what our churches should look like. And I think mm. we're, at a, we're at an important juncture here in this conversation because we don't get to choose whether or not we're going to opt into the digital revolution. I mean, it's fundamentally mm. shifted everything about our lives long before COVID. And in many ways, we were laggards to... Um, what it means to operate a minister into a digital world. So I think within that, asking the right questions around technology and that space Mm -hmm. is going to be crucial. And for me, you know, we talk about this being a moment two years in, but here is a real moment for me. Um, Mm -hmm. This is maybe six months in, Rich. Um, I pastor in a beautiful state called Queensland in Australia. Mm -hmm. (laughs) They may not have let us out of our state (laughs) <laughs> for two years, but right. it's kind of like a prison paradise being locked in. So I go to the beach with my kids Sunday morning. Oh my goodness. First time in living memory. I'm not in a right. church on a Sunday because <laughs> yes, yes. we're locked down. We're shut down. I'd pre-recorded my sermon. I'm sitting there yeah. on the beach. There's a little cafe. It sells baked Portuguese custard tarts. Rich, <laughs> I wish I could just right now bring you on a plane. <laughs> Just to get over here and end. little taste of heaven. Oh my goodness! I got that. I got my coffee. My kids are playing on the beach in the sand. It's wonderful, and I have this moment as a pastor. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. I could get used to this. This ain't that right. bad. This online, yes. I got on my phone. You know, the the Sunday <laughs> service is streaming. I'm like, this is a yes. pretty good gig. Are you kidding me? Yeah. Yes. If we ask this question. What do people prefer? We are Mm. at risk of architecturally designing our churches and our faith around convenience. And I guess I'm putting a little red flag, a marker out saying Mm. we need to be careful that we don't orient around convenience or comfort to the degree that we fundamentally shift convictions in our church that are absolutely necessary. 
So this is in some mm-hmm. ways somewhat of a cautionary tale. Absolutely. You know, it's interesting you say this because um, I think this for me has been one of the reflections here. Um, you know, when this, whatever this phase is, we call intra-COVID, post-COVID, whatever the phase is we are right now, where there were those people who I think early in the pandemic, we we kind of sold them this idea that it was like, hey, go to church online and it will, it'll, it's just like attending in person. Like we said things like that. It's exactly the same. And then, you know, just recently I was talking to, uh, or my wife was actually, she was talking with a, a young mom who, you know, said, I, I am just drowning here. Like I, we haven't returned, we haven't come back. And, um, for, you know, one reason or another, and, you know, my, as a, you know, what am I an armchair kind of pastor leaning in on the conversation? I'm like, I think the problem is that they are disconnecting with culture. They've disconnected Mm -hmm. with friends. They're disconnected with community and sure they're watching the stream, but that, but they're not driving, uh, you know, to a deeper, um, you know, deeper relationship. So when, when we think about this issue, I think this is a good flag when we think about, okay, how we don't want to orient around convenience. We don't want to, um, you know, we don't want to make our ministries about, Hey, it's just easier (laughs) to do it this way. Uh, is that, does that point to like a bigger problem? Does that, or do you see that, um, we may be thinking about particularly our millennial and Gen Z friends, uh, in a way that like we maybe have misdiagnosed that we've misread what it is they're looking for. Uh, when you think about that question in relation to the two, you know, generations, particularly that you said you spend your time thinking about, what if we maybe miss misthought about them uh, as it comes to digital ministry or this even this moment uh, with them? Well, one of those misreads is when we think of these younger generations, how often we would say we think feel like they are shallow or lack substance mm. or want everything faster, easier, preach shorter sermons. Mm. And I think then as pastors, we can buy into this idea that um, services need to be more entertaining, stages and production sleeker, sermons shorter, more visual props. Mm. Um, and it leads to what I define or term as cool fatigue within the church. Mm. And mm. I think it is a misread when we think about these generations to think that's what they're actually searching for. What if instead of thinking that way, rather we saw new generations as a movement of people in search of significance and authenticity? What if we saw them as thoughtful, considered, which they are, educated, mm. spiritual, they're hungry for a mission? And if that's the case, we shouldn't coddle this generation too much. And we should not be afraid of challenging them. And to me, one of the crucial challenges is this, the challenge of what it means to be a contributing part of a biblical community, whether it's convenient, Mm -hmm. whether you feel like it's easy, whether it fits Mm -hmm. into your lifestyle, the willingness to challenge them on here's what biblical community, true biblical community really looks like. Love it. Okay. I love this. There's so much to dive in there on. Uh, I love the cool fatigue idea. So I'm going to push you on that a little bit. Um, Are you saying that churches shouldn't have a primary orientation around um, how do we engage with the culture around us, differentiate 
that for me. Because when I look around, I see some of the fastest growing churches in the country. I look at them and I'm like, wow, those ministries are cool. Uh, you know, as defined by, they seem to be trying to engage the, the, the culture around them. Hel- help us understand that cool fatigue idea a little bit more. No, we should try and reach the culture. We're just misreading them mm-hmm. when we think that that's what they want. Uh, okay. Yep. I, I'm, I'm yet to speak to a young person, you know, take a 25-year-old. Mm-hmm. Rich. Mm-hmm. And I'm like, oh, why did you leave the church? I mean, Barna tells us 64% of this generation who are raised in the church will walk mm-hmm. away from the church or have walked away from the church. Why, why did you walk away from the church? Well, you know what? There weren't enough LED screens on the stage. <laughs> the, the logo wasn't cool enough. The yes. Instagram, the color of the theme on the Instagram feed, it, you know what? It should have been magenta Monday through Thursday. Yes. I mean, it's just... It's actually not the things that they're truly searching for. And we have to go deeper. And one of the the, the key areas is there is a search for real community. Why? Absolutely. Because there is a loneliness epidemic. And this loneliness epidemic Mm -hmm. intersects with the surge in social media, um, Mm -hmm. online. And so we have 13 to 17-year-olds that are spending over five hours a day on their screens that goes up to nearly seven hours for older mm-hmm. teens. And yet loneliness, think of this, 79% of the same generation say they are lonely. Right. So you're on your screen seven hours a day and 79% of you say they are lonely. 45% of Gen Z say they feel lonely at least some of the time. These are staggering mm. numbers that are coming out. Yes. So I look at that and when you say you know, uh, however you worded that, Rich, in terms of like reaching the needs, speaking mm-hmm. to this mm-hmm. generation. Well, one mm-hmm. of the primary needs is the need for community. Have Love we it. actually withdrawn and taken mm-hmm. away mm-hmm. the core of what they actually need? Because how we perceive them in our mind is you guys don't mm-hmm. want any of that. You guys don't want to be inconvenienced. You guys want it short, fast. You, you want it on your phone? I'm not so sure about that. I think that there may be a reaction back the other way for a mm-hmm. real search for what it means to be a, tr- a part of a true community. Yeah, I love that. I was listening to a pundit recently who kind of echoes what you were saying that, you know, he was wondering if in 50 years from now, uh, people will look back at our generation, this moment, this kind of social media obsessed moment in the same way that we look back now and you you see like photographs from the 40s and 50s of doctors in hospitals smoking cigarettes and you're like, it's I can't believe they cigarette. were doing that. It's a modern right? day cigarette. Yeah. It's the same kind of thing. We're like people are, you know, we are generating this incredible loneliness or the systems are generating this loneliness, which ultimately uh, makes us do what? It makes us be more addicted to them. Interesting. So, so how do we form real community? What are you learning on this front? How do we... Uh, how do we do that? What does that look like? What are some of the hallmarks of the things we should be looking for? I, I love a couple of things you've said so far, but let's let's kind of dig into that a little deeper. Well, it is the linchpin word, the word community, and actually mm-hmm. defining what that means. So for example, we can say this, well, we're streaming an online church service and there's a chat mm-hmm. bar. So if people mm-hmm. can chat, you know what, we've kind of, we ticked that off the list, that's community. I've done mm-hmm. a much deeper dive in this area. And I found biblically in the New Testament, there are seven layers of practice to the idea, the concept of 
community. And many of those can be done very well online. And we need to know which ones can be done well online and which ones are best served in person, at least at this point in time, so that when we have people in the room, we have people in person, we know what we're trying to achieve. So for example, content can be done very well online, preaching, Mm -hmm. worship, Mm -hmm. um, prayer, evangelism. But there are three layers to community, New Testament community, that I believe are best served when we do them in person. Oh, you've set me up. You got. You got to tell me what the three layers are. You at least got to give me an overview. Don't leave me hanging, Benjamin. <laughs> of course, number one, interpersonal responsibility. Number two, inconvenient hospitality, and number three, institutional physicality. Now, by means of just quick definition, interpersonal responsibility. I was raised in an era of church, and I thank God for this that there was somewhat of a demand placed on my life to give Mm -hmm. something out of the human qualities that God had put in me to others. And we all have gifts. We all have Mm -hmm. a spiritual fingerprint of God on our lives. We bring something special to a church community. We need to teach people Mm -hmm. this. You bring something that nobody else brings. You're in Mm -hmm. community not to receive. You're in community because you have a biblical responsibility to those group of people. And when you read through scriptures in in the New Testament, we truly do have a job description uh, that aren't just clergy or pastors or leaders, welcoming guests warmly, the book of Acts, Um, working enthusiastically with people, 1 Corinthians, loving each other as brothers and sisters, Hebrews, providing food and clothing, James. I mean, we could go on. So Mm -hmm. interpersonal responsibility, or put it this way, Rich, are we actually a part of a community until we're responsible for other people? It's, mm. it's an interesting question. Mm, that's right? a great question. Uh, yeah. Next, inconvenient hospitality. This one for me is so important. Um, I don't think community or even friendship exists mm-hmm. until we are willing to inconvenience ourselves for each other. Mm. Uh, I mean, if we lived near each other and I get a text message from you one day, Rich, and you're like, hey, I, you know what? Um, I, I, need, I, I need something. Can you just pop over to my house and help me out? I'm like, ah, you know what? That's probably going to take me like eight minutes and I'm sorry, but no, <laughs> you're just not that important to me. Um, inconvenience is not an unwanted byproduct of community. It's mm. unnecessary an intentional part of God's design for community. We need to intentionally create communities that inconvenience people. Why? That's where meaning is. That's where Mm -hmm. richness is found in terms of other people. And then lastly, uh, when we talk about these three areas, is institutional Mm -hmm. physicality. There's more that we could Mm -hmm. say about this, but one example that Barna found is the number one thing that churchgoers missed during COVID was taking communion in person. And it's likely that millennials and Gen Z who live so much of their life online will start to craze the physicality aspect of what community actually is. Mm -hmm. Love it. You know, it's, it's, uh, this such lines up. Most of my experience has been in, you know, over the last 20 years has been in the attractional church movement. That's where I've spent most of my time, uh, most of my thinking. And 
you know, for years I would, as a communicator, I would say, you know, I think we're doing people a disservice when we talk about small groups, community groups, whatever you call them in our, in our churches, because we oversell them. Um, we, we tell, we say to people, we say, get in this, it's getting community is just as easy as signing up for one of these groups. And all you've got to do is like show up on a Tuesday night and somehow the magic of community is going to happen. I said, you know, I don't know that that's actually true. The communities that I've been a part of, this is why I love your, your, your middle part there of inconvenient hospitality. The communities that have been meant the most to me, they require more of me. I've got to lean in. I've got to be a part of it. I can't just, um, you know, I can't just show up. It's, it's not, it's not like a group of friends. It's more like family than it is like friends, friends. I get together. We all agree with each other. It's fun. There's something about when I get together with my brother who kind of slightly annoying to me, you know, th- my brother and my, you know, like my, my physical brother, um, that I, but, but I like love him deeply. I have an incredibly deep relationship with him. And I think it's the same in biblical community that we, we have sure. to find a way to go beyond just these easy, convenient uh, well, definitions. I, I just well, love this. I think you're pushing on the right button. On that, Rich, and and uh, I think you, you're pressing on a button right here when it comes to small groups. Okay, just for a moment, right? Think about yes, yes. what you just said there. We tell people, like, you're, you're in our church. You're literally mm-hmm. in our church. Mm-hmm. But if you want community, come back midweek to somebody's home and you're going to find yes. community. And I wrestle with that a little bit now. And I've been around it like Mm -hmm. you for a very long time because I'm like, but hang on a second. You're telling me that our primary gatherings, we are readily essentially acknowledging the central thing that these two generations are searching for in church. We don't even have it here at a weekend. We need to more closely examine that. It's, It's like this. Imagine going to a cafe to get a coffee. And they're like, oh, no, 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 no. No, come back. No, come back on Tuesday night. We actually don't do coffee here. Come back on a Tuesday night. And you'll get coffee to a small group. But you're like, hang on a second. Is it the whole purpose of what you guys do right. to serve this, this item? And so, yeah. again, that just registers on my radar. For me, we have to reimagine church that everything we do has a community layer to it. And we can no longer say our weekend services, well, we know they're not great at community, but just come back midweek at a small group. I think we need right. to reexamine that. Oh, that's good. I love it. You know, I think there's, yeah, there's so much we could talk about here. Now, I, I one of the things I want to make sure people check out is this in, just incredible report that you put together for or with our friends at at Barna called Digital Church in a Lonely World, Seven Ingredients of a Church Community or of Church Community. Tell us about this report. What what led you to say, okay, I want to put this together. This is a significant resource I want people to pick up, but kind of give us the a bit of the backstory, the kind of setting up. Obviously, we've been talking about it when talking around it, but Give us kind of the the story here. What what led you to this piece? Well, I'm super grateful to be partnering with Barno and grateful for David Kinnaman believing in this piece. We've put together a beautifully designed 69-page PDF that walks people through not just the seven layers of community, that's part one, but part two mm-hmm. is bold digital innovation. And that tension is really important to me that on one hand, mm-hmm. we have an understanding of the layers and the dimensions to community. But on the other hand, we have a pressing in to bold mm-hmm. digital innovation because we are not immune mm-hmm. to the digital era. If we fight against mm-hmm. it, we, we will lose. But at the same time, mm-hmm. and I quote Christian Lewis Lang, 
technology is a useful servant, but a dangerous master. Technology both helps us and hurts us. And so I, I think it's easy for us sometimes to become so grandiose or idealistic mm-hmm. about the use of technology because it's become essential to us. But I think we need to have a nuanced approach. And within that nuance, we are innovating in new and exciting ways. But that innovation needs to, it needs to move, Rich. And it needs to mm-hmm. become less about innovating in a space of content And we need Mm -hmm. to start innovating in community when it comes to Mm -hmm. technology. Um, I mean, for example, you think about this whole offline, Mm -hmm. online thing. I can now order custom-made Nikes. My sons do this on an app. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. Yeah, but they still physically arrive at my door and they physically put them on their feet. You can go to McDonald's now and use a touchscreen and put together your meal, (laughs) but- you still physically eat the food they serve you. I order an Uber on my smartphone, but a physical car still turns up. It's not Mm -hmm. the replacement of offline with online. It's knowing Mm -hmm. how these two marry together and how they can best marry together in terms of community formation. Okay. So I know you've got ideas on that in, in the practical world. Let's, let's kind of frame this in the, maybe a church of 500 people. They've, you know, they're not, uh, just your average kind of church, c- couple team members. What should we be thinking about when we think about our digital strategy? So many churches are wondering this in this moment. It's like we kind of backed ourselves into this thing. Now, where do we go? I want to get people connected. I, I, I realize we are living in a digital world that people are connecting online. How do I use that to leverage uh, community? What's that look like? Well, we need to think of our digital strategy as a spiritual formation ecosystem. So we Mm -hmm. need to zoom out, look at it holistically. And there are four Mm -hmm. words that I cover in this PDF that form a framework for churches of Mm -hmm. any size to take a look at, which is number one, to reimagine, number two, to reevaluate, number three, to reconnect, and number four, to rebuild. Now, if we apply Mm -hmm. that lens to areas of our church, like ministry, like what would it look like to reimagine social justice? And then mm-hmm. reevaluate and then reconnect and rebuild it. What would it look like to do that with evangelism or small groups or missions or pastoral care? And not feeling like, and, and if you're a pastor and you're listening to this, not feeling like you need to be backed into a corner on this where mm-hmm. everything now needs to be digital. Um, I'm trying to give pastors permission to wrestle with the complexity and to be able to say this intelligently. There are some things that digital does better, but there are also some things that in-person does better. Knowing those, the difference between those two <laughs> is a conversation that churches of all sizes can have. And in fact, Rich, it's entirely possible and I think likely that there will be churches just like what you mentioned who actually decide live streaming our Sunday service is not part of our digital ecosystem. <laughs> We that is actually you're, not you're the way heresy, that heresy, Benjamin. Heresy. <laughs> I mean, I'm over here in Australia, you know what I mean? So, yeah, yeah, exactly. They can't, we can't throw stones that far. That's right. Uh, no, I get it. No, I totally understand that. That right, that it might be, you know, we're not looking for a one size fits all kind of solution. We need to look carefully at what is it that God's called our church to, and how do we design. A ministry that that weaves these together. Um, yeah, and when good. I say I that, Rich, that maybe live streaming isn't the core of a digital strategy. Yes, but it might be ten other things, right? Right. That are done midweek, yep. 
in terms of digital tools and and there's a surge in innovation in this space, which for me is really exciting. Yeah. Are there churches out there that you're running into that you think are particularly innovating well that aren't the kind of like I feel like we all look at like 15 churches in the world and we pay attention to those ones. Is there can you give me an example of a church that's like, mm, maybe we haven't heard of before that we could we could kind of look at closely and be like, oh, that that's kind of they're doing some interesting things there. Well, I mean, I think that's a really great point because the digital space at this point, you know, there are certain churches that can just do that much better. And so I think that right. can be almost a little bit of a dangerous trend. I know it in my backyard mm-hmm. in, in in the church that that, that I'm a part of and, and, and I pastor, um, you know, for example, one of the things that's very important to us is asking this question, what can people, what do people get when they attend a Sunday service that they cannot get online? Well, here's one of the mm-hmm. really simple things, Rich. They can't get a great coffee and they can't get a meal. Right. So, I mean, we, we literally have a catering team and volunteers mm-hmm. and our goal is to do the very best coffee you're going to get all week. And that becomes mm-hmm. not just an add-on, like, oh, yeah, there's coffee at the end. Um, mm-hmm. uh, our service starts with coffee <laughs> for half an right, hour. Right. At the end, yes. we call it church part two. It, it becomes ingrained in the culture. Mm-hmm. Stay, eat, connect, talk. So mm-hmm. I think there are churches all around the country and all around mm-hmm. the world that are figuring out how to do what they need to do within their local context. And that's a great mm-hmm. thing. Love it. So good. Well, I uh, I want to encourage people to pick up this report. I really do think uh, it would be so helpful. I, personally, I, I see this as a great leadership tool. It could be a great thing for you to get your leadership team to buy. Don't just buy one. Um, and, uh, you know, have a discussion around it. This could be the kind of thing that could lead easily to like a retreat away. You're away for a day or two, really wrestling through uh, this kind of content. Um, where do we want to send people if they want to pick up a copy of it? Where? How do we? How do we just do that? What to, are we, what uh, Barna.com. It's available there mm-hmm. uh, for download right now. So head over to Barna. Yeah, that's so good. So helpful. Well, as we're coming to wrap up, is there anything else uh, you'd like to share? This has been just a kind of the beginning of the conversation. I hope we'll have you back in the future. But what? Anything else you'd like hey, to say? As we can, as you even wrap imagine. Up if I get a third slot on this show. <laughs> Come on, it'd be great. <laughs> uh, my central thesis in this paper is we need to embrace in-person community mm-hmm. whilst also boldly innovating in the digital space. A closing mm-hmm. thought for me would be reflecting on the ministry of Jesus mm. and looking at how often he physically touched people when he prayed for them, mm-hmm. when he broke bread around a table, like the mm-hmm. beauty of that, um, mm-hmm. the physical moments of his journey that became a part of the spiritual sojourn journey he was taking mm-hmm. the disciples on, you know, Peter physically getting out of a boat, <laughs> mm-hmm. talking mm-hmm. to the woman by the well, the well mm-hmm. was an important part of that object lesson. And mm-hmm. so the physicality of that has a beauty. It's something right. that I think people are craving and we need to go on the journey of innovating in the digital space whilst also maybe reimagining the wonder Mm -hmm. and the beauty of community and calling people into inconvenience because inconvenience is where depth is, it's where richness of friendship is, and it's worth it. 
Yeah. Benjamin, I appreciate this. For folks that are listening in, I cannot more heartily endorse this. I really do think you should pick this up. One of the things I appreciate about, about Benjamin is I think there are people who are um, who are like obsessed with getting people to come back into our boxes. Like you got to come back and sit in our boxes. And that seems to be, that is missing the point. It's not the point of just get people to sit. It's not the point to fill up our rooms. Let's not get back to that friends. Uh, but I appreciate your thoughtful approach around, Hey, this is, what are we trying to do to build deeper community? And how do we, uh, you know, do that in, in a world that is increasingly digital? Um, how do we blend that? Well, so I really, um, heartily endorse that folks pick up this report, use it. Uh, hopefully it, it helps spur lots of conversation. Benjamin, thanks so much. Any, anywhere else we want to send people online, maybe to your own website, where do we, where do we want to send them if they want to track with you? Thank you so much, Rich. Yes, please head over to benjaminwindle.com. Uh, I have a whole, whole bunch of resources and various white papers that I hope can be a help to you. That's great. Thanks so much, Benjamin. Take care. Thanks for being here today. Pleasure. Thanks for tuning in to the Unseminary Podcast. Drop by unseminary.com for more helpful resources for you and your team. There you will find articles, online courses, and so much more. Unseminary, stuff you wish they taught in seminary. Presented by CDF Capital. Visit them at cdf.capital forward slash unseminary.